There are currently 13,993 people on the Overwatch subreddit right now. That's insane to me. I mean, I, I understand there's a lot of people on Reddit. That's just, I don't know, that's huge. 14,000 people who, instead of playing the game, are just like on the subreddit whining about the new changes to the game. Everyone's all mad. Yeah? <laughs> Why are they mad? Because, well, this week, uh, everyone's mad because they nerfed Anna, not my girlfriend. They nerfed Anna. They, they nerfed your girlfriend. I would like to go nerf she sucks Anna because I do nerfed. have a nerf gun over there. But no, like they just changed her a lot. Uh, that actually, though, I think it's really good that they do that. There's this really good extra credits video on YouTube about how games that are perfectly balanced are actually not good because if you have a game that's like perfectly balanced, then the player can always find the optimal strategy. And if there is an optimal strategy that never changes, the game gets boring. So if you have a game like Overwatch where you have a player base that you want to keep interested over time, you want to keep it growing, then it actually makes sense to keep the meta changing so that, you know, one week, one hero's kind of like favored, not necessarily like overpowered, but just the meta is sort of like maybe, uh, you know, it's advantageous to play that hero. So it doesn't just end up being like the same exact game over and over. Yeah. So when, you know, I mean, they, they make changes to the players for balancing the game, but they're always making certain tweaks so that like right now, Bastion, which is like the turret robot hero for anyone who doesn't play this game and is game really good. Uh, and a good game in itself with a very good soundtrack. Shout out to Bastion. Actually, the, that soundtrack is one of the best study music soundtracks ever. But yeah, so right now Bastion is really good. He just got some huge buffs. He can like move faster. He can transform into a turret faster. He's like, he's just great. And that's like, that's good game design because right now it's going to take everyone a while to figure out how to deal with these changes. But eventually people are going to adapt. New strategies come out and then the process repeats. So the game is always fresh. So it's actually not a good idea to perfectly balance your game so it never changes. Hmm. And I think that's that's kind of what happened with like Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Some people were telling me, because I don't play it too much anymore, but there's like there's like kind of a straight up never changing hierarchy of heroes that are top tier. And people pretty much play like these group of heroes. And oh, yeah. the ones that are bad, like they don't get played, at least yeah, in term tournament levels. I suppose that that does make sense. I do see that in fighting games. Like mm -hmm. even in Smash, it's just like in uh, yeah in the old ones. I don't even remember which one, but it was like everybody was going to just play Fox because Fox was going to win. Well, everyone was playing um, like Project M at Evo and stuff, I think. Oh, yeah. Because that was like the fan, the fan made M. version that this is like continuing version of uh, Melee, I think. And it was like breathing new life into Melee, which people love. I don't know why people don't like Brawl versus Melee, because I'm not into Smash that much. But it's kind of that same that same concept there. So I just I think it's cool that they're constantly tweaking the game to give people new challenges and letting the meta shift and evolve lots and lots and lots. But yeah, not a uh, not particularly on topic, but I had to find something to not to talk about that wasn't Zelda. On video games <laughs> by Thomas Frank. I, that's what this podcast is, though. Yeah. It's like half a disguised video games podcast 
at least when hey, we're when we're used, thinking we about used video to games. Actually, play games on the podcast. That's true. That's a thing that that, <laughs> that a happened. lot of people probably don't know. That happened a couple times a long time ago. That's how you became a co-host. Yep. That was like the genesis for you. Ooh. It was like the original five questions. Yeah, and good magic card. Oh, yep. <laughs> Just referencing uh, a bunch of good stuff. Hell yeah! But yeah, that was like I don't remember what episode it was, but way back in like the twenties. We had the first five questions episode, and it was just <laughs> us playing. Twenties. Are you a flapper? I was a flapper back then. Ooh, that's great. <clears throat> but yeah, that was that was fun. Those was good times. But we did find it a little bit difficult to answer complex questions and also play difficult video games. Yeah, I think the worst one that we played was Worms. Yeah, because <laughs> we're trying to be all strategic and also answer tough questions. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. Bad balance. But if anyone is interested in that kind of thing, we're probably not going to do it on the podcast much, if at all, anymore. But occasionally I do live stream a video game on YouTube and take questions. And that's fun to do every once in a while. Cool. Uh, It definitely makes me worse the video game. But I usually choose a game like Enter the Gungeon where, you know, I, I won't choose a game like Overwatch where I will just get totally destroyed by everyone else playing yeah you just, I'll just get play, really mad yeah i'll just play gungeon where at least like the first couple of, of levels are not that hard so i can get through them it's kind of entertaining to watch and i also have a little bit of mental um reserve to think about the questions yeah we've got three questions today and because we are not playing video games we can think about these fully and uh the first question reminds me of myself but it also reminds me a bit of you yep so i'm gonna go ahead and read it so the question is, uh, so for about a year now, I got this idea that I need to be working as much as I possibly can. So I figured I should push myself as hard as I can and keep myself just on the verge of a breakdown slash complete burnout. Hardcore. This is This is going, starting out well. <laughs> so far this semester, I've done the best that I've ever done productivity-wise, although I have not made things quite as structured as I would like. And as a result, I think I can feel a bit of burnout coming along in the next few weeks. Right now, I'm trying to go to school full-time majoring in physics working 16 to 20 hours per week on the weekends as a server, getting fluent in Spanish and starting to learn Russian and German, doing flying lessons, I guess, so that's pretty cool, like flying assessment, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty cool. Looking for scholarships and study abroad programs, starting a rather eclectic blog concerning mostly high-level math and physics, um, kind of like College of Geek for STEM students. So the question is, am I trying to do too much? I liked this question because... He mentioned, um, or I guess she, I don't even know. could be she. I don't have no idea. They mentioned. It's weird how, like, they has become a singular pronoun. I like it. There's a bunch of people it on the works. internet who's like, no, we have to keep they to be a, a plural pronoun. But like, what if you don't know? Language is evolving. What it if is. They, yeah. What if they don't? What if it's, like, an anonymous source? Yeah. And you got to be like, well, they said. If you just say, well, she said. Now you know it's a girl. Thanks. You just statistically hurt the anonymity of that source. It's true. Yeah. I don't know. It works. It I works. like using they. I mean, there are certainly evolving. there are certainly some. I mean, you have some ambiguity between singular and plural, so that is a downside. You have ambiguity in a lot of languages. Context usually solves it. That's very true. Yeah. Well, I think the context here is not that multiple people sent us this exact weird, crazy schedule, but I did like how they said get fluent in Spanish and start learning Russian and German because that is very reminiscent of oh, yeah. a certain someone I might know. I may have studied like five languages <laughs> in college. I may have wasn't it your senior year where you were like yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna study up so I get my what was like my b1 in Spanish but also start uh uh, German and Chinese well and French in senior year I wasn't doing as much because 
I messed up my ankle and couldn't walk. Mm. And I was just like, I'm done with this. I'm going to graduate. But junior year, I took Chinese and German while maintaining and improving Spanish and French and studying a little bit of Japanese on the side. Insanity. And it was. It was a mess. It was a very highly scheduled mess. Okay. So tell me about your experience with doing three languages versus like now. Because now you're just maintaining Spanish, right? Yeah. Off and on, I do something in, in French slightly, but I'm not exactly trying to maintain it all that much just so that I don't forget everything. Right now, I'm just messing with Spanish because, well, I'm not in college anymore. I have things I want to focus on, and I just don't need the other languages in my daily life right now. Mm -hmm. I envisioned myself traveling a lot more and maybe teaching English somewhere, which is why I was studying those things. Yeah. And I might do that later, but I can pick up the languages later. Right now, I'm busy doing other things. But it is very difficult to learn several languages at the same time, especially if you're, say, beginning in two different languages at the same time. It, I would say that it's better to stagger them a little bit so that you get to a certain level where you're comfortable and then you start beginning in a new language, yeah. et cetera, so that you're not confusing like the color words or something. But it's, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's very difficult. And this also applies to this entire list in general, but one of my favorite books, Essentialism, has this wonderful illustration that kind of gets this point across, and you've mm. got, well, on one side, you've got a circle, and you've got a bunch of arrows pointing out of it in all directions. It looks kind of like a sun, and that's a person, and each of the arrows and directions is, that's a thing that they're putting energy toward. And then next to it, you've got a circle with one arrow, but that one arrow goes way farther than every arrow on the other circle. Yeah. So essentially, you have a limited amount of time and effort and productivity, and if you direct it at 90 things, you will do mediocre at 90 things, mm -hmm. or you could do just absurdly well in one thing. So I'm not going to say you can't do all these things, and the, even those three languages by themselves is already like quite a bit. That's a big challenge in itself. Yeah. Like, not regarding the rest of this. Especially since Russian and German are quite different than Spanish. Yeah, it's it's a huge, huge thing. But the more you take on like this, the less you can give to each one. And I decided that since I'm not using the other languages, I want to focus on Spanish because I would rather be really, really, really good at Spanish right now than kind of all right at a whole bunch of languages. Yeah. Another analogy that I've seen, which I can't remember where I saw it, but I thought it was really good, and it was similar to the essentialism one, was the guy said, picture a gigantic hamster ball, Ooh, and there are fun. three hamsters in it, and they're each trying to run in a different direction. Oh, like, the oh, ball goes fun. nowhere. So picture one with 90 <laughs> hamsters inside it, and they're all just going crazy and... They're eating each other, and they're running in every direction. Well, this is now just pandemonium. It's pandemonium. This is awful. Well, at the end, one hamster will reign supreme. It will have eaten all the other hamsters and gained their power, become Super Saiyan hamster. Well, in this metaphor, that's just you dropping stuff to focus on one thing. Yeah. And that so hamster eat, will survive. Eat all of your weak hamsters. Eat the weak hamsters. Become Super Saiyan Hamtaro is what I'm saying right now. Yeah, eat the weak hamsters. <laughs> that's the but, new eat that frog. But yeah, but if, if all your hamsters are trying to run in opposite directions, the ball goes nowhere. Whereas if you have all of your hamsters banding together and going in one direction, then the ball will go somewhere and faster than normal. Yeah, and and big progress feels better mm -hmm. than like, 
when I was doing that, I was constantly feeling like I wasn't doing well enough in any one of the things, which hurts my confidence, hurts my pride and motivation. But feeling really good at one thing, you you notice when you're getting better. You notice the success that you're feeling. Yeah. Now, I do want to contrast this with the general, like, the general goodness of exploring and doing a lot of things, especially when you're early in your college career. Yeah. I think that's good. So what I want to do is I want to I want to break down this specific schedule that this person sent us because on paper or in boltless form, it looks like a lot. But when I think back to my time in college, I was in college full time. I majored in MIS, maybe a little bit easier than physics, but still a full time major. I was working 20 hours a week, not 16 ever. It was always 20, but. I was working at the IT center, so I did have at least my first year and a half, I had some downtime at work that I could work on homework. But then I actually moved over to the web development center and I worked 20 hours a week and I had no downtime there. It was all coding for the job. And then I was doing clubs. I was also looking for, for scholarships. I was like the web developing officer for the business council. I was in guitar club and I was also running this blog. So. For the most part, I think what this person is trying to do is ambitious and it is stressful, but it's doable. Yeah. The real um, the real thing that like stands out as a red flag to me is that they're trying to learn three languages at once. I think that's like the one thing that it's questionable I, here. I would say that's the hardest to balance. Yeah, that's really tough to balance. If you take that out, I think this is doable. Yeah, I think it's totally, you know, looking for scholarships and study abroad programs. That doesn't take too long. Uh, I have no idea how long flying lessons take, but I would imagine that if you're paying for flying lessons, it's probably like, yeah, it's like a class or you you treat it like a class. You probably go to the airfield. You're up in the plane for what, half an hour or an hour you land. So you could just treat that like another club you're going to basically. And then with a blog, one of the reasons that I ever started a blog is because I knew that I could, I could invest as much or as little energy and time into it as I wanted to. Yeah. Now, later on, when it became successful and I was like, okay, I want to make this a job, then I had to act like a professional and I had to get on a publishing schedule. But at first, you can go look at the history of College Info Geek. There are some months where I posted like six times. There are some months where I posted two times. And that's reflective of how busy I was in college. Yeah. So that's fine. But I really think like this whole trying to learn three languages thing reminds me of when you and I used to do those pick four notebooks and we would commit to doing six weeks of progressing every single day on four different goals but like the first time we did it it was four goals on top of class and work yeah and everything else so it's like yeah, yeah so i'm gonna commit to four like things 10 minutes every night and if i can't remember exactly what my four goals were i probably have the notebook sitting around there somewhere but i think i had like working on an iphone app and learning japanese and two other ones that were equally challenging and when you're trying to do four things a day, in addition to all of your other things, you never make any progress. Yeah. Like I'm sitting here and not fluent in Japanese. Now, that's not the only reason I'm not, but I definitely could have been spending more time focusing on Japanese if I hadn't been trying to do three other things at the same time. Yeah. And I, d- I don't <clears> want this to be, even with the languages in there, I still think it's possible. And to be honest, my schedule was also very similar to this. Because yeah, we both have this problem where we try to take on nine thousand things at once. But Even we can right see now, that I've got like four projects on the side that I'm trying to work on, and in addition yeah. to a whole bunch of other stuff. 
But we can see this person is clearly said in their question, like, yeah, I feel burnout. I would, I would I say, keep myself on the verge of burnout and complete breakdown. Sound good. <laughs> like, don't do that to I yourself. Would, I would say that you shouldn't be on the verge of complete breakdown at all at all times. Yeah, when I no. did all these things, when I was learning like five languages and I had polyglot, I was running a blog and I was doing stuff and full time I was working and having class. But Saturdays were never touched by anything. Mm-hmm. There, there has to be a break. You can't always be working. You're going to go insane. But I would say that as far as languages go, at least one or or two, I don't know how good your Spanish is, uh, questioner, but it says get fluent in Spanish and yeah. start learning. So maybe you're already pretty decent at Spanish, in which case starting another one is act, that's pretty, that's reasonable. That seems fine. Mm-hmm. But starting two other ones, especially that are so different. I don't know. There's another way to accomplish these things if you do them sequentially. You get really good at yeah. one thing, then you wait, then you get really good at another thing, and then you get really good at another thing so that you feel all the progress faster, but you still did the things, mm-hmm. and maybe even in a shorter amount of time. I'm curious, uh, how close are German and Russian? I, I know I know am, Russian uses a totally different alphabet, I, but... I don't know 100%, but I would not imagine very close. Okay. I, I don't think they're very close. Because I, I would imagine Russian they are and German are probably more similar like Spanish, than like if, yeah but, Spanish and French. But like I don't think they're all that similar, at least to my knowledge. I haven't studied Russian in the slightest. I know nothing about Russian. Okay. Yeah, but, I know. All I know is they use a different alphabet, so I yeah, can't that's even. That's all I got. I can't read it. Can't sound it. It's even sound it out. I don't think it's all that similar, but who knows? Maybe okay. it is. Yeah, because I mean you. So it's almost a similar situation to where you are doing Chinese, which is. Very, very, very different than German, which is still quite a bit different than Spanish. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, Spanish that's tough. and French were similar, but the Chinese, Japanese, German did not have a lot of helpful connections for me, other than like the obviously the Chinese characters, but you pronounce them way differently, and that's basically it. Yeah. And if you're doing two languages, um, also ask yourself, like, why are you doing those? Because I remember you telling me, like, you were trying to learn so many languages because you had this idea of like a personification that you wanted to embody. Like I wanted to be a polyglot. Yeah. I wanted to you be know? a traveling, traveling polyglot blogger kind of guy. And that's just my, my idea of what I wanted to do changed. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing like wrong with that, but no, it's, it's over committing yourself it. to too much work and daily practice for, for embodying a role is not always like you have to be careful about that. Good example. One of our friends was majoring in computer science and not doing well in computer science. And we kept trying to get him to change his major. And eventually one time I asked him like, all right, dude, let me ask you honestly, are you majoring in computer science because you really truly care about, you know, sitting around in an IDE and debugging code and learning how to write object oriented methods and all that kind of stuff and you really care about making software, or do you have a cool role in your mind that you think would be cool to be? Do you want to be Tank from the Matrix with like a zillion monitors and be coding like super fast, you know, and be like that kind of cool hacker? And uh, he's like, yeah, I think it's kind of the second one. So I want to be a superhero. I want to be, you know, I watched the movie um, Limitless. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. With the I uh, love, magic pill that I makes you really smart that movie. Awesome. Yeah, and there's that scene where he's like just total like polymath and he's at this party being able to talk to anyone and about any subject. 
He's super knowledgeable about every single thing and can do all these skills. And I'm like, man, I wish I could be that guy. But how much do I actually care about doing some of those things versus how much do I care about how cool it would look if I could do some of those things? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying that like that is your motive for learning Russian well, and German. They might have personal connections to both Absolutely. Russian, German, and Spanish. Maybe you got family know. in all those countries. And if, if so, that's awesome. But just make sure that your reasons for doing something connect to actually wanting to do that thing at some point. Yeah. It's got to be more about the daily aspect mm-hmm. of honing and having this skill more so than the title. Yeah. And, like it's not about an end point. It's about your every day. Whether that's, or not you're uh, happy with something. That's why I like how Benny Lewis puts it in his book where he's like, I am learning languages to be able to experience culture. I want to be yeah. able to communicate with people. He's doing in a it because he's like meeting new people and doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And he forgets some afterward. He's like that language. Cool. But I'm going to let that fade. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Just like I've done with uh, with a few of them. I know very little Chinese, Japanese, or German at this point. Yeah. <laughs> For, I've forgotten of it, most of most Japanese. Most of it is faded. And that's totally, it's totally fine. Yeah. And I mean, with the spacing effect, I know that if I studied, it would come back quicker. Uh, it did with guitar. Like, I, I went years without playing guitar, mainly because somebody stole my effects pedal and my amp back in college <laughs> they didn't steal my guitar weirdly enough but they did steal the amp and the effects pedal they, they thought you wouldn't notice <laughs> i guess well i i had put all my stuff in a storeroom because i got hired as a ra and i was like all right well i'm going home for the summer but can i just like store some stuff in the storeroom of the dorm that i'm going to be the ra of and they were like yeah that's fine the maintenance guys were like it'll be totally safe in this locked storeroom and I get back wow. at the beginning of the next semester. Uh, my effects pedal's gone. My toolkit's gone. And my amp is gone. And awesome. I could tell that somebody had stolen them because the storeroom had been, well, I don't know. If, I don't know if broken into is the word. I think it had just been left open. But there was like spray painted on the wall. Like we were here. So I don't remember what it said. I remember wow. the names. But like, it was like, it was like Bob was here. La, la, la. And took it smelled stuff. like weed. So people just went up into the storeroom, hot box for a while, that is the and then stole my place. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that sucks. That's a sad story. It is a sad story. I got that that effects pillow from a pawn shop for seventy five dollars, man. But yeah, long story short, because I lost my gear, that made my guitar sound awesome. And you know what? The other thing is, they stole my guitar stand. That's the but big not the one. Guitar? The, not the guitar. I may, you know what? I probably had taken the guitar home huh. actually, but th- I think the big thing is they stole the stand. So up until that point, I had always had my guitar sitting out in my room on the stand. So when I came into my room, I could just grab it and play it. And I would often play probably once a day at least because it's just there and it's so easy to just grab it. Bam. Now it's up in that it's zipped up in a fabric case in my closet behind a bunch of clothes so to play it, it only takes like, you know, 30 seconds to get it out, but it's still kind of an effort to get it out. And I think you like, won't do it mindlessly. There's always that friction, right? Yeah. There's something called the 20 second rule. And in fact, there's there's a Chrome extension. I forget what it's called, but it's like instead of blocking sites, it just creates a 20 second wait time to load a site. Oh, yeah. I had one like that. I forget what it's called. It's awesome. like something book. Crackbook? Crackbook. Yeah, it's Crackbook. Um, it just makes you wait 20 seconds to load Facebook because there's this theory that if you have to wait for something long enough, you won't do it. Yeah. And that can be used either for good or for bad. If it's for a 
good habit, you want to eliminate the 20 seconds, i.e. putting the guitar on a stand so you can grab it immediately. And if it's a bad habit, you want to introduce that 20 seconds, if not block it altogether. Yeah, because within that 20 seconds, you're going to be like, uh, you're right, what am I doing with myself? And then you close before it even loads. Yeah, absolutely. But so, you know what? I should probably just buy a new guitar stand. Probably. Because it will get there. And then my friend showed me like this. I don't have to buy a new amp because I don't really want a new amp because they're loud. But what I do want is some sort of like interface where I can plug headphones in and still get all the effects and stuff. Yeah. And uh, my friend Matt has one. So, yeah. I feel like that that conversation had like six tangents. So yeah. I forget the original yeah, points. This episode's going to be <laughs> pretty long comparatively. I think but, it will be. Uh, I guess the point was that you could build your skill back faster now. Mm-hmm. Which is totally That's true. what it was. If I yeah. tried to pick back French up and make it, I am confident that in a couple of months I could get right back up to where I was. With yes. Just a little bit of effort if I need it. If my life says, Martin, you should speak French now, I'll say, now is the time. The mm-hmm. chosen one will arise <laughs> and I will learn French again. But you can totally learn all those languages if you want. But I would at least consider if, if you have to chop something consider doing it sequentially if you're already really good at spanish and you want to learn one of the others that's fine i think two is much more doable than three yeah just because making fast progress in one of the newer ones is going to feel better and motivate you more Mm -hmm. but if you hate the idea of cutting anything there's a book called the motivation hacker by nick winter where he like tackled a billion things all at once and i think it went well for him for the most part but not every single challenge went well, but for the most part, it did. It, it like, and I think that's I interesting that because he was committing huge, to like a huge challenge, and I think there was like a, a lot of like psychological energy there. Yeah, in it, the commitment, it was a uh, it was a lot about how he kind of managed tackling so many things at once. Yeah. So if you want to do all this stuff, I don't think this is too much, other than the fact that on the verge of a complete burnout seems like maybe it is depending on i i didn't measure in physics so i don't know yeah but speaking of uh nick winter have you checked out cold combat lately no how's that so i was like i was taking some notes for a future video at some point i'm gonna do a how to code video and i wanted to look at code combat they have made some really cool progress on that cool like it's got really nice sound effects and this cool. cool overworld map um i think you actually have to pay now for a lot of the features but i mean you got to pay for good games and a game that teaches you is pretty sweet as well. And they're definitely taking a, they're focusing more on schools. So like the, if you go to the homepage, it's like log in if you're a student or log in if you're a teacher and you kind of have to not hunt, but it's a little less obvious where to log in as just an individual. Cause I think like they have realized that selling bulk licenses to schools is probably the best way to go about making something like that profitable. Yeah. Um, but other than, the voice acting, which I think needs some work. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> as, it's as a little much rough. voice acting does. <laughs> like 90% of voice acting is just horrible in everything. Yes. They could definitely stand to hire a good Yee. couple of voice actors. Yee. Um, other than that, like I'm really impressed with the progress they've made. And if somebody wants to learn JavaScript, it's a pretty cool way to do it. But yeah, anyway, thank you for reminding me of what the root yeah. of that tangent was. I was going to say I picked up guitar a few weeks ago and not only am I back to my original level of skill, I surpassed it really quickly. Yeah. Like I got back to being able to play all my old songs that I made up faster than ever. And then I went and looked up like I had never looked up the root notes for scales 
And once I learned that, I figured out how to play a bunch of new things. I taught myself the Legend of Zelda theme without having to look up a tab because it's basically just like, I think it's a minor pentatonic scale. It's just like right on there. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So if you have to take a break, worry not because your brain retains those skills and they may not be as good as they were when you start again, but they will... But you can build them back. You'll you'll catch up and you'll get back to speed fast. Yeah, so uh, we have been recording for a while, but luckily the second question is very quick, I think. So the question is, it's often said that we need to wake up at the same time to be productive, but how do I manage this when I also want to be able to party sometimes? I usually wake up around 7.30, but if I stay up till midnight or one in the morning, there's no way I can do that. So what do you do? Do you still party with your friends or do you just bail on those night activities to be more productive? So yeah, this is this is the classic question of balance. Do I sacrifice everything and anything all in the name of productivity and progress? Nay, I say. I'm going to go ahead and play a Bane of Progress on this. Yeah, Bane of Progress. <laughs> um, look, life is all about making choices and balancing those choices between like fun and work and like now and later friends and family and work stuff. Like there's always going to be give and take. It's like literally always, everything is a spectrum and the seesaw and teeter totter and whatever. If you want to hang out with friends and stuff till late in the morning, you may just have to sacrifice some of the sleep benefits. Yeah. That's just like all there is to it. Like the optimal way to sleep is to have pretty much the same sleep schedule and to stick to it even on the weekends that's like biologically that's what your body wants you to do and you know without the advent of electric lights you would basically just go to sleep soon after it got dark and then you would you would fall into a natural sleep pattern that humans had been using for thousands and thousands of years the only reason that we don't do that is now we have lights and video games and books and friends who stay up late and all no, that kind of no, stuff grok stayed up till four in the morning every night and he just wouldn't stop did he i don't know was i don't he playing I, like i can't even think of what he would have been doing he was playing like some version of the, the nintendo switch that was made of rocks and sticks no they drew like tic-tac-toe in the sand <laughs> and they were playing tic-tac-toe till four in the morning oh okay it got real just like keep the fire lit all the time get some fermented fruit juice that's yeah, a, that's a good cave Woo. lifestyle. Yeah, I'm gonna go do that now. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Why am I doing this? I'm gonna go live in a cave. That's like free. Yeah, tic tac toe and fermented fruit. Tic tac toe is free What's too. Tic tac toe is another example of a perfectly balanced game that is boring because it can't yeah, there's change. A pretty, there's a pretty obvious strategy that like you just win or tie. No, you every don't. Time. Like, well, that's if the thing about tic tac toe. No, it doesn't matter. Like, if if both people know what they're doing, no one will ever win tic tac toe. Ever. Oh, well, yeah, that's what I mean. If you if you play first, you can either win or tie. You're more likely to tie, but if the second person makes a mistake, you can win. That's like it. It doesn't mix it up. Much there more must than that. be a mistake. Yeah, there like, has to be a mistake. Two people playing the optimal strategy, there will always be a tie. There's no way to win at all. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was playing tic-tac-toe with Anna's cousin when we were in um, Charleston, and he was like, all right, best two out of three. And I'm like, okay, but no one will win. Because he knows what he's doing, and I'm no dummy. So. Yeah, it's not. There aren't that many options. So instead, we play Box War, because somebody always wins at Box War. I don't even know what that is. That's that game where you create a grid of dots, and then you take turns drawing oh, a line, and then whoever completes a See, box, a like it's theirs. a lot less obvious how to win that. A lot. The strategy's got to be a little different. 
I still think there I'm is. Sure there, I'm sure there is one, but there like, is an optimal strategy in that. Immediate. But yeah, it's a little more complex. And I, you could, I guess, play um, five by five tic-tac-toe. If you make it more likely that the humans will make mistakes, then it doesn't really matter that there's a perfect strategy if the humans can't figure it out. I think that's true. Yeah, I guess with any any kind of game where it's I not... Mean, they keep programming computers to beat people at all these complicated things. There probably is a perfect strategy. It's just keep that's humans true. from knowing it, and then if the you, game is fun. I suppose if you take most games to like the craziest degree... Uh, there is an optimal strategy. It's just that like because of chaos and randomness and human inability to play perfectly, that's that's yeah. where all the interestingness comes from. Yeah. A lot of times. And and tic-tac-toe is just unfortunately too simple. So it's like it takes very little skill and experience <laughs> to be able to play perfectly. I just remembered this question is about sleep, not the tic-tac-toe <laughs> fundamentals or <laughs> or or like game artificial intelligence development. Um, I think we're just, you know, but I think it comes down to <laughs> what are you willing to sacrifice to have fun in the now? And, yeah. you know, it's it's a very similar question to do I ditch my friends if they don't really care about being uber ambitious? It's like you, you have to make that judgment call for yourself. But I think at a point, you know, you're sacrificing too much here and now all in the name of what comes in the future. Yeah. You know, and you do have to sacrifice some of what happens now. Otherwise, like everything is bad and awful forever. But sometimes people are going to stay up late and I don't know. I'm personally going to be there hanging out with them. Now, if it really destroys your sleep, like if you're completely, I don't know, like everyone has a different sleep schedule and sleep tendencies and like it affects them differently. If it is destroying you, then maybe you got to make that sacrifice yeah. and go to bed a little if, earlier if it's too often or like I wouldn't do it before an exam day or something. Yeah, definitely not. But, but, you know, I generally try to eat well, I exercise and I generally try to sleep well, but sometimes I'll stay up late and I can usually recover pretty well. Yeah. Maybe I won't be like 100% on point the next day, but it doesn't destroy me. Yeah. So that's good enough for me. Yeah. So <clears throat> actually, in addition to this, to be prepared for this question, I went back and I listened to the episode with Dr. Bruce sleep doctor and uh i would just like to say on behalf of dr michael bruce that this is basically it your schedule is more important for your brain than actually getting the certain amount of sleep over over the long term and as long as it's within a half hour he says of the same time that's pretty good but he also specifies don't necessarily try to go to bed super early the next night to make it up because you don't yes you do not make up sleep one-to-one your schedule is more important yeah, like and when actually, your brain knows to wake up and go to sleep. I recently emailed him another question because I did that sleep video on my channel, and somebody asked, "Hey, what happens if I have to stay up till like four a.m. working on a project? Should I, you know, get like two hours of sleep, and then should I go to bed like early the next night, or go to bed at the same time, or should I just stay up the entire night?" And so I emailed him, and he's like, "Well, number one, I can't give out medical advice over the internet, so this is like." I'm not a doctor, blah, blah, blah thing. He is yeah, a doctor, yeah, but put all the disclaimers, <laughs> disclaimers, on blah, blah, blah. But he's like, uh, basically you should get a couple hours of sleep, but get up at your normal time. Don't sleep in and then just go to bed at your normal time the next night to get back on the schedule. Yeah. And don't operate any heavy machinery <laughs> on yeah. that day. You're totally sleep deprived. Yeah, it's about the, <laughs> the schedule is what teaches your brain when to wake up and go to sleep. So if you're going to yeah. screw up your schedule for a couple nights a week because you're partying, that's fine. Don't do it every night, though, and don't do it before big exams or something. Or it's going to pay you back. Yeah, I found at least personally, it is 
multiple nights of getting bad sleep yeah, like that starts to take its toll on me. But I can, if it's one night, I can deal with it. Yeah. You know, obviously, again, not optimal, but it's not enough of like a, a, a schedule destroyer or an energy destroyer or whatever you want to call it that I'm willing to, or, you yeah. know, I want to sacrifice it. Just so. like, don't, don't all the time abandon your friends just to be productive. That's not a really fun way to spend college anyway. Yeah, exactly. All right. Last question. So it's going to be my first time moving in with more than two people in a household. And I just wanted to ask you guys for some tips or tricks to stay happy, clean and focused during the school year. Are there any apps you suggest for transferring money while paying rent or buying groceries? How do we cook together? Or, uh, you know, what, what kind of systems do you use that sustain four people in an apartment living in harmony and not killing each other? I paraphrase that last part, but yes, (laughs) I had a few tips here. I think the first thing is like, it's all about setting expectations up front because people hate having their expectations violated. So you have to have conversations up front of like, who's going to pay for what, what kind of split are we going to have? What are like the cleaning and keeping things organized obligations? Are we going to have a chore schedule? That kind of stuff. Like talk about that up front and I have to tell myself this quite often. Don't go all type A on everyone and being like, all right, we're going to have a chore schedule and Jake, you're going to scrub the toilets and I'm going to, um, I don't know, pick up this piece of lint off the floor. That seems fair. Yeah. Like you got to make it a discussion, make it a conversation and make sure everyone is like, okay with what their duties are. Yeah. If you don't set that um, yeah. expectation, it's it's going to be bad because I know that we've had a couple of times where what does clean really mean? And then yeah. everybody's everybody's backup is like, well, that's how I always did it growing up. That's how mom did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what everybody's going to say. That is nobody's going to win. That's clearly subjective. You just need to have a discussion and say for this group, what does clean mean? Yeah. And you might have to you might have to budge from what you want a little bit. Like we've got one roommate who his preference would be for everyone to literally wash their dishes and put them away as they're cooking and have the entire kitchen like spotlessly clean before they start eating their dinner. And I'm more like, why would I want to let my food get cold just to wash some dishes? I'm going to go wash them afterwards. But then like you get into some situations where like, all right, maybe somebody needs to cook right after you. So maybe I need to make an exception in this case and at least wash the pans so they can start to make food right after I'm done instead of having to wait for me to eat. So there's like all these conversations you have to have and i think you always have to keep in mind whenever a problem arises whether it's somebody who's making too many messes or somebody who hasn't paid their rent on time or whatever it is approach the problems you have from like a collaborative like let's find a solution together mindset and standpoint instead of blaming and pointing fingers because the moment you blame and point a finger at somebody they're going to get defensive they're going to be less likely to be able to see the actual error of their ways. And they're only going to point out the last time you did something. So like tit for tat equivalency kind of thing. Yeah. You can't just be like, Hey, I'm not getting my personal perfect living situation because of you. Yeah. It. Because you know, they're probably not getting theirs either. You're probably all compromising on something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if they want to live in a dirty house, that's their freedom. Mm-hmm. You're compromising their life by forcing them to clean things. Yeah. Like you got to find an even ground. So say you get a power bill one month and it's like higher than normal and you notice you have one roommate who leaves lights on a lot. So you could go up and be like, yo, you're leaving lights on all the time and rooms you're not in and our power bill is higher. You're costing us money. They're going to get defensive and they're going to say, yeah, well, you leave your computer on when you're out of your room and you go to school. 
You don't shut it down all, and you even leave it on at night. That's using power too. So instead you wanna have the conversation of, hey, I noticed our power bill is higher than normal. What can we do to make it lower so we don't have to pay so much? And then maybe you can ask yourself, what could I do? Hmm, I leave my computer on at night. So I think I could probably shut my computer off at night. I noticed some lights have been left on. Can we make sure to also turn lights off as well when we're leaving the rooms, that kind of thing? Yeah, and don't say who did it. Yeah. You gotta give them an opportunity to save face and then they'll be like, oh yeah, that, that might've been me. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll work on it. It's a lot better than if you say, and you've been leaving lights on and they're just gonna hate you. They need an opportunity to save face and feel like yeah. it was their fault. They're fessing up themselves. And if you ever need to actually confront somebody and say you live in like a group of four people, never confront one person with the other ones there because people don't like to be called out on stuff on. they're doing when there's a bunch of people around. Like you should always offer criticism in private and, and praise in public. And I think this is something you should do if you're like employing somebody or if you're working with somebody, like this is just good group dynamics. Always give the person the opportunity to save face and never have them be attacked and feel like they're being attacked when there's a bunch of people around. Yeah. As soon as it becomes more emotion anyway, they're not going to be logical enough to make a good fix. They're just going to be upset and that's not going to help anything. Absolutely. So um, a few other things I had on here, encourage communication up front. Um, like I've lived with roommates who get annoyed with the things that I have done in the past, but they never said anything. So like, I didn't know I was doing them or maybe another roommate was doing something and I'm the person in the group who's usually okay with confronting someone about something, but maybe I don't know something's going on. So like communication has to happen before like a fight happens. Like it's either going to build up or it's going to be like the steam's going to be released gradually and you want to go for the steam being released gradually. Yeah. What else did I have? So these are some, some like more tactical things when it comes to splitting payments. Number one, and I think this, this has been one of the best stress avoiding tactics I ever adopted. And that is to not care about things being fair and square. Yeah. That's just like, life. I don't care. So what I do is I manage all the finances for our house. I pay the rent, I pay the power bill, I pay the trash, I pay the water bill, and I pay the internet, all the things. And I also buy almost all of like the shared resources like dish detergent, uh, paper towels, all that kind of stuff. So I have an Excel spreadsheet where every single time a bill comes in, I enter how much it is, enter the due date, and I mark whether it's paid. So I basically keep on top of whether the bills are paid and then I also mark whether or not my roommates have paid for that particular bill. At the end of the month, I send everyone a message on Facebook and I'm like, all right, your guys' share of the rent and utilities is this, but I don't keep track of how much I spent in total on the paper towels and the dishwashing detergent and all that stuff. I just charge my roommates $5 a month and I know that all the money that I spend on that stuff is more than $25 total, but I don't care. Yeah, if you're nickel and diamond for everything, <laughs> people are just going to be like, yeah, well, I don't use these as much as everyone else. Exactly. So, so we should make this a really, really complicated thing where I pay 10% and they pay 30% and then you pay 40% and now it's just a mess. Yeah. So I, I have found it counterintuitively good for my happiness to always get the short end of the stick just a little bit on money. And may, maybe I don't, maybe like... From my perspective, it's different because I've never been like super broke. Like I had a job all throughout college. So I always had like enough money that I wasn't like super worried about expenses. 
And maybe if you are like super down to the wire, you need to be more concerned about that $2 you spent on paper towels. But honestly, if you don't have to, don't be like a nickel and diming miser kind of person, you know? Cause like I've noticed this at conferences as well. It is so much better when you get in a group of people, you go out for dinner, one person grabs the check for dinner. Maybe that was like a hundred dollars. And then you guys all go out to a bar and the next person, they get the first round. Maybe that was only like 30 bucks or something. But at the end of the night, like, do you want to be like, oh, well, I actually spent $70 more on that group check for dinner. So can you get me some money? Or do you just like want to just let it be a wash and y'all had a good time. And now like those people are no longer thinking of you as the guy who came like asking for more money. They're just thinking of you as like the cool person who grabbed the first dinner check. Yeah. And everyone is thinking of everyone share. like that, you know? Like it's about the the thought behind it, not the dollar amount. Yeah. So uh, I I have just known for a long time, like I'm always going to leave money on the table for something, but that's okay because money is just a tool. And what's more important than money is relationships and being happy and not being stressed. Yeah. And it's really easy to end up not liking your friends if you do these things wrong. Like you'll find out you hate living with a friend. So yeah. if, if you can cut a little stress every once in a while for like, a, a dollar or two, a few extra dollars. It's probably better than screwing up a long-term friendship because of some laundry detergent. Yeah. On that note though, keep your word too. Like if, if you need to borrow money for something or if you're like, Hey, can I use these eggs in that you have? Cause I'm out of eggs and I'll buy you some more. Like do those things. Like there's nothing that makes me lose respect for somebody more than when they don't keep their word. Yeah. So do that. And like on the tactical note, if you're looking for apps, um, I think Venmo and PayPal are great for sending money to each other. There's no fees between friends. So yeah. we use PayPal for all of our rent stuff. And then there's an app on both iOS and Android called Splitwise. And we'll link to that in the show notes. And that is pretty good for actually keeping track of those things. But once again, don't get too, don't get too granular with it. Let some bygones be bygones. That's what I say. Yeah. Uh, and you can just use Excel or Google Sheets. That's what I use. But Splitwise is a little bit more advanced and probably easier to use. Yeah. You know, it's especially a good idea not to take it too seriously, because if you start to, then somebody else in the group might be like, well, who said you were going to be in charge of it anyway? Maybe I can do this stuff. And then <laughs> that's no good. See, I'm a control freak. Yeah. So I don't think I could actually... There's deal so with room. anybody else in There's the, so much room in the apartment doing like you doing the bills too far. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's my personality, though. And I'm very happy that the rest of you guys are OK with having somebody else take care of the bills because I, I physically need to see the check go in the mail. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just that kind of a person. So I don't know. Maybe if you have two type A's in your group, like you got to figure that out to figure out who wins. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Fight to the death. Yeah. Or to the to the, I don't know until someone gets tired. Yeah, probably to not the, to the death to because the slight fatigue and discomfort. Yeah, you want them to keep paying rent. That's probably a good idea. <clears throat> or you could cash into life insurance. Oh yeah, make, <laughs> make sure they have a life insurance policy that for some reason goes to you and not like a family member or. Something. Well, yeah, there's like the gladiatorial combat that's term, the clause. Policy. Yeah, the clause. Yeah. That's the word for it. Yeah, if you engage in a fight to the death, and they say it's a fight to the death, then whoever wins, yeah, you gets keep the money. You kill. Yeah, it's like Riddick up in here. Yeah. Bam. Nature's Claws, <laughs> that's what it's called. There we go. On that note, 
I think that wraps up this podcast episode. So hopefully you guys found all the stuff in this episode helpful. This is episode, what is it, 153? Yeah. Cool. So if you want to find the show notes, we've got links to those apps we mentioned, a couple of the other things. Uh, they are over at cigpodcast.com slash 153. So check those out. You can also check out our resources page over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. There you'll find more app recommendations, some gear we used, some other things that make us more productive, help save money, help to help you get a career, all kinds of good stuff. So check those out if you want. And otherwise, we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.